And so the reason why we must do the Lord's will to be focused on the things of God is because that is the only way we will attain eternal life and do those things that bring about eternal reward. If we want to inherit the kingdom of God, if we want to be allowed to enter his kingdom, we need to do the things of God. We need to become more like God. Light and life can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the things of God versus the things of man. When we consider the things of God and the things of man or of this world, we need to keep one key perspective in mind, and that is time. This world and everything in it is going away someday, but eternity is involved with the things of God. So we always have to think, do we prefer receiving temporary things or eternal things? Some might say they want both, and the problem with that is that with God, it's an all or nothing proposition. So we have to choose either for God or for the temporary world. Today's message is inspired on Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth, I praise you, I worship you, I exalt you, O Lord. Blessed be your name, O Lord God. Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. For you and you alone are God, and Lord God, all things are good with you, and they're good for us. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for your forgiveness, for your mercy, and for your grace. We depend, O Lord, on your love and grace, Heavenly Father. I pray, Holy God, in the name of Jesus, that you help us, O Lord, to understand that, Lord God, that there is a bigger picture, and that there are greater things to bear in mind, Lord God, than this temporary world that will all pass someday. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that the eternal is what matters and not the things of here and now. Lord God, I praise you and I worship you, Lord God. I pray for everybody that's listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may be able to work in their hearts and help them to understand how to value what truly matters. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage can be found in Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. This is the word of the Lord. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Did Peter in fact have a moment of satanic possession? No, but he was certainly being influenced by the devil but also by his flesh. 
There is a direct correlation between satanic influence and giving in to the desires of the flesh because they both lead to the same thing. They both have the same source, sin. Satan is an agent of sin. And unfortunately, we have sin within our own members, contained within our flesh. How can that be? Ever since the fall of man, since sin became a part of our existence, within our very fiber, if you will, one of the clearest indications of this was given by King David when he said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. And so each one of us inherited sin within our members. And of course, the Apostle Peter was no different. So what really happened with Peter? He must have been tempted by the devil to think carnally regarding the Lord's sacrifice, and he tried to sway him away from going through it. From a human perspective, anyone at that moment would have seen it as something good because Peter was trying to keep the Lord from physical harm. But in that moment of physical concern, if he would have persuaded the Lord from not going through the sacrifice of the cross, Peter would have done the greatest disservice to all mankind. And that clearly was going against the Father's will. You see, God the Father sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so we could be saved from our sins. That was the only way we could be saved. There was no other option. For it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So this is the problem with thinking carnally because the flesh is fueled, if you will, directly by sin. And when a person is thinking carnally, they are aligning themselves with the devil because the devil is an agent for sin. The devil promotes carnality and sinfulness. We need to remember that God and the devil are always at odds. There is never any agreement. God will never agree with sin. He allows it to happen, but he doesn't agree with it. Now, why does he allow it? God allowed for sin to exist so that there can be choice. Mankind was created with free will. And in order for there to be free will, there must be options. God allowed for that option to exist, the option of sin. If we go back to Genesis, we see that God allowed for the option in the Garden of Eden. He told man that he could eat of every tree of the garden except of the tree of the forbidden fruit. If the forbidden fruit would not have been present in the Garden of Eden, then although there was free will, there would have been no choice, no other options outside of the good God had created. That's why God has allowed for sin to exist. Why? Because of love. There is always choice in love. Love is never forced. God will not force anyone to be with Him, to follow Him. He is always after genuineness. That's why he even tests love to see if it is real or if it is something else. This is why even the Lord Jesus Christ had the choice to either do the Father's will or to follow something else. But the Lord loves his Father unconditionally, without any kind of regard for himself, even to the point of obeying the Father to go through the voluntarily, the most awful experience anyone could ever go through, to take on the sins of the entire world and to nail them on the cross through his person. He chose to be the perfect sacrifice for all mankind to follow God's design. So what is the fundamental difference between the things of God versus the things of man? Man is carnal-minded and so set on the things of this world and of course 
God is always thinking about eternity, about the bigger picture, if you will. And this is what the word has to say about the things of the world. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So you see, when a person is carnally minded, thinking only about the things of the world, they're only focused on the here and now. And the result of that is eternal separation from God. Why? Because all the decisions founded on the things of the world will always lead to sin. And the wages of sin is death. We just read that this world is passing. It is temporary. And so if a person is just focused on the here and now, then that is all they will ever have. We need to be focused on the Lord so that our thoughts, our mindset becomes more in tune with the eternal, so that our decisions align with immortality on doing the Father's will. Whenever we obey our flesh, we're ultimately doing the devil's bidding. That's the problem when we give in to sin, when we subject ourselves to serve our flesh's desires. And we are always susceptible to doing that because sin still dwells within us. Just look at Peter. Peter had decided to follow the Lord. He gave up everything for him to go after him. Yet in a moment of weakness, he became an instrument for evil because he started listening to something else at that moment and he lost focus on God and the Lord had to do the Father's will. So how do we overcome sin within our lives? The only way for starters is by repenting and converting from all of our sins. This is the very first step to letting go of sin. As a matter of fact, there is no salvation without repentance and conversion. What this means is that we are not only sorry for our sins and that we ask God for forgiveness, but that we turn away from our sins, that we make a decision to stop following sin altogether. That's why when some preachers and teachers say that all you have to do is just believe in Christ to be saved is absolutely not true. This was the whole point of the ministry of John the Baptist. Repentance prepares the way for the Lord in our hearts. John preached about repentance and conversion to turn away from sin completely, to do fruits worthy of repentance. Now, what does that mean? That our lives start reflecting our life change. If we were liars before, to stop lying. If we were thieves, to stop stealing. If we were fornicators and adulterers, to stop doing those things. And then, after that complete life change, is that we can invite the Lord to come into our hearts. And that we not only take Him on as our Savior, but even more importantly, as the Lord, as the one in charge of our lives. We need to completely surrender to Him, to His Lordship. For it is written, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so the Lord Jesus Christ must be the Lord of our lives. And when that happens, then we need to let the Holy Spirit guide us as we study the word of God. The Word of God is God's complete counsel to mankind. This is why we need to read it, to study it, and of course, to apply it to our lives. For it is also written, 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is how we start shedding sin and how we will continue being changed and transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how we start giving priority to the things of God, to the things that produce eternal life, God's will. And the number one mission of the Holy Spirit is to lead us to fulfill the commandments starting with the most important ones because we always need to remember what the Lord himself said. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it all is fulfilled. Now, what is the law that he is talking about? Circumcision, food diets, keeping the Sabbath? No. The most important commandments within the law of God are these. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And we also read the following in the Gospel of Matthew where it says, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. And so it should be quite clear, loving the Lord with everything we are and loving our neighbor as ourselves is the foundation for everything that has to do with the things of God. This is something we must always keep in mind, deep within our hearts, both practically and spiritually. Regarding the practical side, love can only be shown through actions, not through mere words and empty promises. And spiritually, because this is something that must become part of everyone in everything, especially deep within us. The spiritual part within us must rule over our entire being. And finally, how can we overcome sin in our lives and be more mindful of the things of God? By watching and praying. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, it says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watching means that we pay attention to ourselves and to the things around us. We can't turn a blind eye to justify the wrongs that we do. We must look objectively at everything within us under the light of the word of God. And we must pray for the Father's will in us. The Lord himself taught us this through the example prayer as it is also written. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And so the reason why we must do the Lord's will to be focused on the things of God is because that is the only way we will attain eternal life and do those things that bring about eternal reward. If we want to inherit the kingdom of God, if we want to be allowed to enter his kingdom, we need to do the things of God. We need to become more like God. Light and life can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ.
There is no light or life in the devil or in sin or in the things of man. That's the bottom line. If we want to attain immortality, we need to follow and do those things that perpetuate life, even though they may be difficult and go against our very nature at the moment. We need to remember that this world is only but a moment in the great expanse of eternity. Even if a person lives to be a hundred, what is a hundred years compared to eternity? If we go back to the moment Peter was trying to convince the Lord to not go through the sacrifice, what would have been the repercussions if he would have succeeded in convincing him? The Lord would have lived longer physically. He would have been safe momentarily, but being flesh himself at that moment, he would have aged and died. But worse of all, not fulfilling the Father's will, him being the Son of God would have only saved himself, but all mankind would have remained condemned for all eternity. There would be no hope for us. There would be no salvation. Our hell-bound destiny would have remained unchanged, unbroken, and all of the Lord's efforts would have just remained temporarily. The healings that he did, the resurrections he performed, and all of the other miracles would have just perished at that time. But because the Lord obeyed the will of God and did his Father's will, he gained that much more for all of us and even for himself. In Isaiah chapter 53, it shows us the entire picture where it says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed." We, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So here we see his physical and earthly hardship but also the fulfillment of the will of God and eternal good he would obtain through this sacrifice, through the cross. If we are mindful of the things of this world, of the things of man. We will only gain temporary and passing things, a very small relief in time. 
But if we make the things of God our goal, our purpose in life, we may need to endure some temporary hardship, but we will gain things that will last all eternity. The things that God has prepared for those who choose to love him. The things of man are momentary, but the things of God are forever and are far better than anything else this world has to offer. We always need to keep the bigger picture in mind, especially when we find ourselves going through hardship for the kingdom of God. But what we also need to understand is that everything has a price. Although salvation through Jesus Christ is free, like you can never be good enough on your own to be saved or do anything to earn salvation itself because it is a gift from God, there is a price to pay. The Lord Jesus Christ did say that we need to take up our cross daily and follow him. What does that mean? There is a price to be paid while we follow the Lord so that we can be saved. We need to lose our lives so we can gain eternal life through him. We have to give up sin. We have to give up the things of the world, the things of man. We need to give up our will and look for his will. We need to surrender our carnal desires and take on his eternal purpose. To many, this sounds like too big of a price to pay for salvation. And from a certain perspective, especially looking at things through the eyes of this world, it does seem like a lot. But we need to consider what we're actually giving up and compare it to what we can gain. Is living in this world and doing whatever we want for, let's say, 80 years really worth anything as compared to eternity? Does gaining the entire world and losing our own soul for all eternity to be eternally condemned really worth it? Does having financial wealth and prosperity here and now compare to the eternal riches and rewards God has in store for those that choose to love Him? The things of this world, its pleasures, its comforts, and its delights are no match to eternal life, to eternal reward, to immortality. If a person has any kind of reasoning or logic, they would realize that there is absolutely no contest. If we put it in a money perspective, in a way that most people do understand and will appreciate it, let's say you can have $100 today. But if you wait for 10 years and need to go through some difficulty and hardships and through some circumstances while you wait, you can have 100 million guaranteed at the end of those 10 years. Would you take the 100 today and forfeit on receiving 100 million later? Or wait the 10 years and have the 100 million assured? I'm sure most of you would gladly choose to wait, especially if you know that the $100 million at the end of 10 years is guaranteed. The kingdom of God is similar, but actually the Lord guarantees even greater things than something as trivial as money. The Holy Spirit gave this revelation to the Apostle John of what awaits for all of us who choose to love and to follow the Lord, where it says, Now I saw a new heaven, and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. 
Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so, if we choose to live the world's way and follow the things of man, we assure for ourselves the second death. But if we follow and do the things of God, we are assured through the Lord Jesus Christ things that are even hard to imagine, and they will be eternal. So for your own sake, choose wisely. Pay whatever price you need to pay to follow the Lord here and now, because the gain is far more valuable. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Blessed be your name, Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because of the mercy and grace that you have shown us. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your salvation. I give you thanks for the sacrifice of your Son. I give you thanks, O Lord, that you have given us the opportunity for salvation freely, as a gift. Heavenly Father, help us to understand the value of that, what we actually gain. And help us to understand, O oh Lord, that if we need to pay any kind of price for it, help us to understand that eternal life and eternal reward is much more than anything in this world. Heavenly Father, help us to learn how to value what truly matters, Lord God. Help us to value you and to love you above all things to love our neighbors ourselves. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that you always help us to be mindful of your things. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever, Lord God, King of the universe. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.